You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. We're working our way through exit interviews from last season, breaking down each player's strengths and weaknesses and looking ahead at what happens with them next season. We broke the ice talking about Jimmy Butler yesterday, so definitely check out that episode if you haven't already. And to help me out on today's show, he's a friend of the program, a fantastic reporter over at Sports Illustrated, the best game show host in America, and Dwayne Wade's best friend. It's Rowan Nodkerney. What's going on, Ro? Not much, David. Uh, how are you doing, my man? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. I, I love that you've you kind of glossed over the fact that you are now the best game show host in America. I don't know that I would go that far. I don't know that that was my reading on the situation in terms of what you're referring to. I, as always, I appreciate your kind words. If anything, I, you know, I wish you'd, you'd underplay it during the intro a little bit, thus giving me a chance to, you know, overwhelm the audience as opposed to now I have so much more to live up to. Oh, well, I'm like, I, I think anybody who's listened to this show regularly knows that you have been a somewhat frequent guest here and that you do fantastic work. They love your, your joie de vivre, your, you know, your just total <laughs> zest for life and everything. So I think that really comes through here. And the fact that you got that endorsement from none other than local heroes, Wayne Wade, I think that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, let's say I would, I would put that on my resume for sure. I appreciate that. It's, I, I certainly do. Thank you, David. You got it, man. Well, as I mentioned before, we're talking about uh, some of the players from this past season over in the Miami Heat roster. And one of the players that has a big offseason scheduled for himself, Duncan Robinson. We'll start off this segment talking about the good from Duncan's past season and then move into the not so good before kind of looking ahead to what happens during the offseason. But the numbers were pretty similar for him this previous uh, to his previous season, his first breakout season as a full time starter. But he did one up playing all 76 games for Miami this season, 13.1 points per game, 3.1 rebounds per game, uh, just shy of 41 percent from three point range. What would you say was would you say that? Duncan had a really strong season because it kind of doesn't really feel that way. It seems like maybe with the shadow of everything that happened over the course of the season, and of course, then leading into the postseason, would you say that he had a strong season? Maybe the expectations for Duncan were a little too high and he didn't quite meet those. Yeah, I think that's a better way to put it, right? Because I think people were really looking for a lot from him this year and he didn't have a bad season. I, I mean, Part of the problem was he he set the bar so high last year with his shooting. And I think to a degree, opponents caught up to the heat a little bit this year. They certainly had injury issues, et cetera. I mean, just looking at his stats, I mean, last year he was uh, uh, 44% from three. This year he quote-unquote dipped uh, to 41. I mean, does that mean he had a bad season? I think it's unfair to say that, but – you know, there was a slight dip in the shooting efficiency. And when you're a shooter, I, I think that's important. So I wouldn't say he had a great season. I think his 2020 was a, a quote unquote great season, but I think he still had a very good season. And, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, but certainly there was the the weight of the trade deadline weighing heavily on him mm. in particular. And you kind of really noticed that in his shooting, uh, you know, in the months uh, from de December through February before the, the trade deadline, he shot just 39 percent, just 39 percent on 287 <laughs> three point attempts uh, on 8.4 attempts per game. Then 
uh, and from March through the end of the season, 42.3% actually went up to about 44% uh, following the trade deadline. So you could tell there was a real marked improvement there. The pressure was off. He certainly got into a much more comfortable rhythm. And it was the same 8.6 attempts per game. So it wasn't like he was shooting significantly more, but the weight off his shoulders got a lot more comfortable. It's so strange. You never really, at least I don't think you really see that as clearly, right? That a player is, 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 you know very much worried about the trade deadline and that it affects their level of play like you know players all say that they're gonna dismiss it you can only control what you can control right that's the cliche way of dealing with it but you saw with Duncan that it was quite clearly impacting his his level of shooting without a doubt and I don't blame him I think you know that that's the nature of of the business but with the heat in particular you know the fact that they're always in these conversations for stars First, it was James Harden briefly, however serious that really was. Yeah. Then Kyle Lowry, the fact that he's always popping up in those rumors, I, I think the Heat have to own that a bit. And I think in that regard, this summer will be telling, right? Because it, at least now someone is going to have to make a commitment to him, whether that's the Heat or you know another team in free agency. I do think at least having the security of that contract this summer should help him a lot. You know, So I, I think... That first year, I get it, going through the trade rumors, et cetera. I think if and when, once he has that long-term deal, I'm not saying it was an excuse, but at that, you know, once you have the long-term deal, I, I don't think you can kind of use the trade deadline as like, you know, your, your financials are secure. I, I don't think you can continue to let it affect you, but I understand how it got to the point it did this season. And yeah, he doesn't give me the vibe having come up the way he has and having worked through this, which isn't to say that every NBA player doesn't work to get to this point, but you've seen the contract year bump, obviously. And and Duncan doesn't strike me, you know, again, this is very subjective on my part and speculative, but I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who says, okay, I got paid. That's it. I don't have to do anything else. I think he's going to continue to want to earn it. I mean, maybe it's just ingrained in him and his own unique journey being a, a long shot at making the NBA. I think he's going to continue to improve moving forward but as you look at this season is there an area that you think he particularly improves because to me I think it's defensively where he wanted to becoming not as egregiously bad a defender as he was the previous year uh, yeah I, I think he was solid as, as a team defender certainly I, I think that he you know as we saw in the Bucks series people are still going to target him one-on-one I mean obviously that game one Chris Middleton's a tough shot maker and he hits a very tough shot uh, over Duncan to but that was a bad defense by Duncan though it was not bad defense it was not bad defense he challenged a shot at, you know at its height so I, definitely not bad defense but there is that element of you know what does it mean if he's still going to get targeted right so I, I think that he definitely improved on that end of the floor I think he's he's smart about using his length uh, I, I think Duncan has some of the physical tools to be a, a decent defender um, he knows where to be you you don't find him scrambling around, looking around, being like, oh no, you know, where was this rotation, et cetera. I think that's half the battle. So I, I definitely think there was improvement on that end. What that means in the long run, if he's still getting targeted to a degree, I, I think that is a fair question. Do you think he, I mean, he does he have the physical tools to continue to improve defensively? Maybe that's something we should say for the next segment, but I think that's a big concern when you look at his improvement. Is there anywhere to go, but, you know, does, can he just maintain this or is he going to be able to improve? Because I, I have questions about whether or not he'll be able to improve upon what we've seen. I think he's probably maxed out 
his abilities defensively because he's he's just not going to get significantly quicker and maybe he can make better reads or understand the way it play you know it breaks down and things of that sort but there's all there's times where the physical limitations of what he or his physical limitations will just keep him from being much more effective he gets his hand caught in the cookie jar way too often and i just don't know that that's going to change do you think otherwise yeah i was gonna say i think if there is one area where he can stand to improve for sure it's it's fouling right i, I think yeah. that um, that's been an issue for him. I, I mean, the amount of times he's picked up two quick fouls, I'm, I'm sure it's deeply frustrating for Spo. So if there's an area, it's that. And I, I think there's an opportunity for him to improve as someone who's at least not taking uh, as many fouls. So that's the, but I'm, I'm with you. Otherwise, I do think, like we said, that Middleton play, you know, he's right there. He's doing all he can, but tough shot makers, I think are still going to seek him out and maybe hit a lot of those tough shots. So I don't know how much better he can get than he was on that play, but if there's an area I'm with you, it's he can't pick up those two quick first quarter fouls anymore, yeah. uh, especially with how much he's being relied on offensively. So yeah, overall a solid season, but there were some issues there and they were magnified perhaps somewhat in the playoffs and they were kind of reflected in other players as well. So we'll talk about that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. With Miami out of the playoffs, and even as we're talking about individual players during each of these exit interviews, I'll still be bringing you Michelob Ultra's Player of the Week. And, you know, I'm kind of lucky that we're recording this on a Monday evening because we just found out that Bam Adebayo is going to be committing to the 12-man roster of Team USA. That makes him this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Why? Because, for one, he's representing his country. That's what he wants to do. He's part of the Olympic team. It's a goal for so many young players to be – part of these dream teams of other NBA superstars. This is better than just representing your Eastern conference or team LeBron in the all-star games. This is the Olympics and it's a great opportunity for Bam to be recognized as an incredible international player for him to travel to Japan, to be recognized as a star there, even under the pandemic and the conditions that it creates. I still think this is a great opportunity for Adebayo and more importantly, as a recruiting tool, uh, look, it could always have the script flipped a little bit and have him be recruited by other superstars, but it's great for Bam to be recognized as one of the greats of the game to go in there and get the respect of these players, to be able to rub elbows and talk and form friendships that'll last a lifetime. I think it's a great opportunity. And that's the kind of joy that we expect to see from him. And we've seen from him on occasion where he's playing the very best. I think he enjoys the game when he's playing it at the highest levels, and he also loves winning, but there's just a joy to the game in general that he certainly feels. There's happiness, there's enjoyment there. And it's kind of like chilling out with a nice cold Michelob Ultra. Only 2.6 carbs and only 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. I enjoy it. And I think Bam certainly enjoys the process of getting better and better, of being recognized one of the, of the league's greats. And I think he's going to continue to grow and develop. And we get to enjoy watching that development just like we enjoy a nice cold Michelob Ultra. But let me tell you a little bit about Credit Karma. They've been helping you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more with a Credit Karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items of up to $5,000. Just pay with your credit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma crash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma money has already given away over $3 million 
and Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Visit right now, creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase is necessary. Exclusions and terms do apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank and Corporate member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits do apply. Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the final still continues. And our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So I'm here with Rowan Nodkarnier, Sports Illustrated, and we're talking about Duncan Robinson. We went through some of the good from this past season. A solid overall season, perhaps a slight dip in his overall shooting efficiency, but there were external factors weighing on him. But there were some bad spots from him, obviously. One of the things that I would have liked to see as a continued improvement for him is free throw attempts during that same back to normal shooting stretch from March, March through May, his free throw attempts dropped considerably at uh, 25 total attempts through 38 total games, less than he totaled throughout the month of January. He had 26 free throw attempts in January alone, and then just 25 total from uh, March through May. So that was a little bit of a setback there. He just doesn't seem like the kind to ever get, real get the call his way and there was that one game against boston where he wound up having a monster game and drawing a number of fouls there and even then it seemed like it was just that was an aberration and i don't know that that's something that he can duplicate moving forward but he was revealed to be somewhat of a one-dimensional player offensively and i think that's something that we just saw with the brooklyn nets too and joe harris who was exposed to some degree and i wonder whether or not duncan is going to fall into that same category yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, for what it's worth, I think when you have a shooter like him, I I think it's maybe slightly unfair to expect him to be a, a someone who's getting to the line a ton also. You know, he's someone who naturally I think is going to be playing, you know, on the perimeter where, where fouls are a little harder to come by. And like you said, you know, he's not someone who has so much cachet that he, he's going to get a ton of calls, et cetera. So I don't know. That one feels a little classic uh, Ramil nitpicky to me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, he's no Josh Richardson, but look, I, I wanted to be pretty accurate about that, right, Josh? Having struggled since then, I know that was something that you you and Wes both, you know, this was before you engaged in your Twitter beef with Wes for whatever reason. <laughs> both of you felt I was being a little harsh on Josh, even though he had just put up a, or his best season as a pro, and then he's, he's dovetailed since then. So, I mean, I, I was proved correctly, wasn't I? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, the circumstances for him have been interesting, but that's a whole different podcast. That's fine. That's fine. Um, look, look, I mean, with Duncan, maybe I am being somewhat nitpicky, but I think we have to ask legitimate questions, particularly because the contract situation is going to be weighed very heavily on the front office and everything else. And we're hearing the potential of a $20 million a year deal. We saw what Joe Harris is getting paid there for him to not be an impactful player uh, during a, a, you know, a, matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks I think that's a, a huge concern for the Heat and I, I wonder whether or not you know he's able to kind of turn things around can he fix things can he improve what's the next step for him and I mean the more we talk about it, the more we see from him look he's 27 and, and the question I have mm -hmm. is look he had his best games of the season against the Boston Celtics he averaged 20 points per game against Boston obviously that's his hometown team 
you know, for the Celtics perspective, would you rather re-sign Evan Fournier or would you go after a guy like Duncan and try to add him? There's, you would be surprised that Fournier, having been in the league as long as he has, is only a year and change older than Duncan. And so at 27, Duncan's probably reached his peak. What happens from here? I mean, is he going to continue to improve? And I know he said on his own podcast that he feels that there's improvement for him, but I think there are legitimate questions about that. And I just don't think that there's a clear answer. And if he's going to get paid $20 million a year to be a one-dimensional player that can be targeted and basically taken out of a, out of a playoff situation, what's the point of bringing him back onto the team? That's interesting. It, to me, that also... Part of the issue, though, is the roster construction, right? Because I, I think while Duncan certainly had some issues in the playoff series, how much of that are you putting at his feet? And how much of that are you putting at the fact that, you know, the Heat had a roster with non-shooters and Bam and Jimmy, and it just felt like uh, maybe the Bucks were being able to take advantage of that. So and that's hurting Duncan, right? I, I, and we'll get to this in kind of the exit interview part of it, but I think Duncan could also make the argument, like, look at how much you're depending on me for your offense. You could argue I'm the one who needs a little bit of help, right? Um, so I I don't know, because I think back to the previous year, right? and maybe I, I'm misremembering things, but you had Goran in the starting lineup during the bubble, and you had Jay shooting – 900% from three point range. And, and then, you know, yeah, Jimmy and Bam are always going to be Jimmy and Bam, non shooters. But Duncan's there as a starter and he still winds up being largely, uh, you know, unimpactful. And if that's the case, it's not just surrounding him with shooters. Like, how many shooters is enough for Duncan to be a, 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 po a positive player, you know, an impactful player? That's fair. I, I mean, at the same time, he was someone who was very important to a team making a finals run, right? I, I think it's uh, – I don't know. I, I don't think I'm willing to go as far as to say that he was, you know, one of the biggest issues for the team in that playoff series against the Bucks. when, you know, the fact that they started none, who was a non-factor. Mm. Jimmy had, you know, probably his worst set of games since he joined the Heat. Yeah, you know, when your top two players are being completely nullified by the defense – and you have, you know, two other starters, one none, like I mentioned, they waited too long to start Goran. None was a non-factor in that series. Ariza is not getting paid any attention to. Mm -hmm. I just think all of that trickles down into Duncan's effectiveness. And I, I still think he's the kind of person who can be an important part of a really good team. Now, yeah. Yeah. Right. now what that means in terms of how much you should pay for him, I think that's where it gets interesting, right? Because... I think that ultimately, while he can be a good member of, while he can be an important member of a good team, how much are you going to pay him? I think that's the real question. No, that, that's that's a hundred percent fair. Um, but I also have concerns about just the one dimensionality of it. I mean, he's not like we've seen time and again that he can't put the ball down. He can get to the rim. Obviously, he finishes at the rim at a high level because once he has daylight, it's pretty much open for him. He's not going to really, you know, he's not going to create much off the triple for him. So there's that part of his game is completely nullified. Uh, and, and look, he's not a playmaker, actually. He doesn't really make passes for others. He can, but that's not really the strength of his game. Uh, and, and so I just wonder if this is it. I mean, if he's just going to be a catch-and-shoot guy for the rest of his career, and if that's the case, can you afford to commit years and money to a player like that who probably does not have much upside at 27 years old? 
Man, I was not prepared for this amount of negativity today. I, no, this I, is more. I, this is more me being a devil's advocate. I'll, I'll cop to it hundred percent because I mean I love Duncan <laughs> and I think that he is certainly a hell of a shooter and I think there is a strength to what he adds to this team, but there are limitations and this is basically for those members of my listeners who believe that maybe I, I don't want to pay twenty million dollars even though it's not their money that they don't want to have him on, on the contract if there's not going to be any kind of incremental growth from him moving forward. I will say for what it's worth, if you're taking stock of the teams that are left in the playoffs, do any of them have a player like Duncan? Like how no. are the teams who are left in the playoffs right now being successful, right? All their, yeah. Almost all their players are two-way wings. So I, I do think that's um, an important aspect of all of this is, you know, where does he fit in terms of what's important in the league right now? And I, I, I think that's maybe the argument you have is if you are to play devil's advocate about kind of his functionality, his use, it's that I, I think the league is trending away from guys who are specialists. And yeah. you look at what's made the Clippers so successful, for example, it's that they can go small and, and do all these things, et cetera. What maybe got the jazz in trouble is they have guys who are maybe not great at, at filling multiple roles. So I, I I do think there's something in that regard in terms of, can you pay big money for a guy who's really, really great at one skill, but is ultimately one trick pony sounds mean, but a little bit of a one trick guy. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. To, to my earlier question, would you rather have right now Duncan Robinson or over Evan Fournier? That's a good question. I still think I'd rather have Duncan just because of how great he is at shooting. Fournier shot 44% from three. How many attempts a game? Uh, just slightly less, like seven, I think, per game. It wasn't that drastic a difference. And maybe he had a slight uptick in, in Boston, you know. But, I mean, over the course of his career, he's been a 38% shooter. So, I mean, I think it's... Fournier is a good shooter. He's a good shooter. I mean, that's interesting. That... that what about maybe what about, I'm still wowing Duncan too much based on what he did that one year, but he was at 44 freaking percent. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, how about JJ Redick and another wing defender, right? I mean, or a, a kind a person who might be more a complementary player other than that. And I think that's a strong army argument to make is that if you're going to be giving up his shooting and you can somehow manage to convince Redick to come to Miami on a significantly cheaper deal. Would you rather invest $20 million on the one dimensionality of Duncan, or can you spread that around to maybe 7 million per for JJ and then 13 million for another defender that adds depth and can add more versatility to your lineup. Now I think you're getting interesting, right? I think if you can get multiple players, that's always, I think, better for you long-term in many sure. ways, right? Those guys yeah. also turn into uh, trade chips and whatnot, but oh, man, you're, you're also taking a risk. I, I think you also have to look at who are the young guys on this team that are going to be a part of it moving forward. I mean, Iguodala's old, Ariza's old, Jimmy's on, you know, the quote unquote wrong side of his thirties. Yeah. Um, I don't know that none necessarily proved that he's going to be a long-term piece after the playoffs he had. Right. Um, Dragic, I don't know what you're getting from him in a conventional season at this point in his career. So I think you also have to look at Duncan in terms of 
he's a younger player. I know he's not young, but he's a younger player who can be, I think, in the middle of his prime for the next four or five years. His shooting should age well. We've seen guys like Redick uh, age well in that regard. And then beyond that, if you do retain him, then he also turns into someone who is a trade chip, uh, provided he at least continues to shoot well. So, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I also don't think it's it's that simple, right, when you think about all these other factors. Fair enough. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Duncan's offseason, and then uh, Rowan will get a chance to self-evaluate his past season here for Miami on the next segment on Locked on Heat. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, but there's tons of sports action going around with the WNBA, NBA playoffs, NHL, and so much more. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news and much, much more. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the finals. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Experts, and don't forget to use the promo code locked on. And let me tell you, when you make a little money over on Bet Online, then you can go spend it for your car or truck over at rockauto.com. There's no business more reliable than one that's been serving customers online for 20 years. That's two decades. A family owned business that gives you everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why go to a storefront? When they have all of the same parts available for their computer, you've got a computer in your pocket or at home. Go to rockauto.com right now. Find the same low prices for everybody there. And if you go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? Write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a locked on today podcast host peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts so a typical exit interview of course includes some time for the player to talk about what he thinks is next for himself and the team what needs to happen basically laying out his plans for the offseason. We've already heard that Duncan will be in Los Angeles, presumably going through some workouts there. But also, like an annual employee evaluation, I thought we'd give uh, some categories and you could provide your rating as Duncan Robinson uh, on a scale of one through five and tell me what you think the Heat should do this summer. Are you ready, Rowan? Yeah, let's uh, hit me, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So these are, again, very typical of a uh, typical – uh, you know, employee evaluation, general quality of work on a scale of one through five, one being poor, five being excellent. How would you rate your past season? Four. A four. General quality of work, given your limitations, the fact that you struggled for three months out of the regular season, you would rate yourself a four. I'll say our whole team struggled. Okay. I played in every game, I believe. Meanwhile, our best players are in and out of the lineup. All right. I'm I'm working with a limited rotation, as we saw in the playoffs, and I'm the gravity. I'm the sole gravity of your offense. Your your stars, your best players don't have the gravity that I do. Um, when the team is successful, it's because I'm unlocking things for everyone else. So, yeah, I'm putting myself at a four. And the only reason I'm not a five is because I didn't shoot to my capabilities that I did last season. And maybe that was the, you know, while everyone else was missing games, um, you know, maybe the fatigue, the mental and physical fatigue of the last year showed in my shooting, but I'm confident that 
you know, given a normal rest and a normal season, I'll be right back to where I was. That's fair. I I, I like that. You've got the confidence. You got the moxie. Uh, <laughs> a term that Duncan used on this very podcast a couple of, uh, last year. So that was pretty interesting. But uh, you know what? I feel like if you're going to become a superstar, it's up to you to do so. So I have to knock you down a peg and give you a three overall. At least that's on our end. That's our evaluation of a your superstar. Who's asking me to be a superstar? Hey, that's the league. The league is demanding that of you, Duncan. Are you willing to accept being mediocre and one dimensional? If that's up to you, then you can do it elsewhere. I'm no, but I'm willing to understand that I play a role and my role isn't to be a superstar star in role. your role. Duncan, that's not, that's not, the I, role for Jimmy Butler. That's the role for Bam Adebayo. That's why you're paying those guys. But to your own point, you money. said they weren't there. Their lineup was falling apart, and you chose to just continue being a role no, player. No, 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 no. You're you're there. moving the goalposts. The goal is not for me, Duncan <laughs> Robinson, to be a superstar. The 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 goal for me is to uh, is to know my role, and I understand my role very well. If you think my role is to be a superstar, then maybe we're on different pages entirely. All right. Well, where where do you average your 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 two attempt your two rebounds per game? Where does that fit into you being a star level contributor? Sorry, uh, you're a three. Dependability. Here's your next category. Where would you rate yourself on a one through five? I think it's pretty clear. Five. Yeah. five All right, I give you that. Five. That's a five. You were there. You showed up. You did the bare the bare minimum, and you showed up for all seventy six games. So hats off to you, Duncan. Uh, knowledge of work. I think this is kind of the point that we're getting at right now. You see yourself as just a comfortable role player, a little too comfortable for my taste. I think there's a, a opportunity for you to learn a little bit more. Where would you say is your knowledge of your role, your work in general? I would say my knowledge is a five, and your guys's knowledge is the uh, the one lacking. I'm, a, you know, I. I'm here to shoot. I'm here to launch as many threes possible. Okay. I'm here to run around. Look at my effort. Look at my effort when I don't have the basketball in my hands, how much I'm doing, how much I'm moving around uh, to either shoot or free up lanes for our other players to shoot. I do that night in and night out. Um, I do it with aggression. I do it with focus. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not half-assing it. I, I understand my role is, is to be a shooter or to create space for others so that they can shoot. And I, I think every single night you get that from me, you know, the shots don't fall every night, but that's, that happens to every single person in the NBA. Uh, it happens to the James Hardens of the world. It even happens to the Kevin Durant's of the world. I'm not alone in that. So yeah, I, I think I know my role and I, and I think I do it really well. All I'm hearing is uh, the acceptance of mediocrity there, but uh, let's move on. Communication oh skills, personality. I, I'm a I, I look, five. I'm a, I'm a freaking podcast host. I mean, come on. Yeah, but on the floor, are you always communicating on defense? Are you verbal? I think so. There? When, my defensive issues, it's never because I'm out of position. It's never because I'm in the wrong place. Uh, you don't see players throwing their hands up at me and saying, Duncan, where were you? You, were, you don't see Jimmy pointing at me after uh, the other team gets a dunk and Spo has to call a timeout because he's disgusted. No one's pointing at me saying, where were you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's because I communicate and I, I know what I'm doing on the floor. Are you a team player? Uh, who else do you see on the team uh, running around as much as I do without the ball knowing that sometimes I'm not even going to get it? That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, I'll give you a four, but I, I think a five is okay. I can accept that from you. Management ability. Maybe this doesn't really apply to you, at least in your own interpretation, your role is to just kind of be a, an automaton that shoots from the perimeter and not do much else. But we want a, a bigger leadership role from you. Are you willing and capable of taking that? Or were you willing and capable of doing that last year? 
Absolutely. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a shining example of heat culture. Why wouldn't I be a leader on this team? I'm someone who you know, went from his first year on the team uh, being a G league guy to a contributor to a finals team uh, seemingly overnight. And that's because I, all I did was work on my game in my spare time. So I think I'm absolutely a leader because I, I lead by example. People look at me and say, you know, Max Struess, who does he want to be like? He wants to be like Duncan Robinson uh, because he's seen the work I put into my game and, and they know uh, how hard I work on my craft. I lead by example. Wow. Wow, you think somewhat highly of yourself there. That's interesting. Considering what, you, uh, what did you expect? I'm just, I'm I'm de I'm desperate to know what you expected uh, for this exercise because I think I'm bringing it, and you're just out here all day being like, "Oh, I, I have you one notch lower than that," but for no good reason. For no good reason. Your entire thing is, "Oh man, we need you to be a superstar." While I'm out here, like, listen, I understand my role. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, achievement of goals. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that you achieve your goals for this past season, Doug? And this is, this is a, a high pressure situation for you. So choose, choose wisely. Well, I'm saying one, because my goals are the team's goals and that's to win a championship. That's all we care about in Miami. So I think it would be, I think it would be lying for anyone on this during this exercise to say that they achieve their goals because our goal should be a championship. Our goal should be measured as a team not as individuals. So I will not say that I accomplished my goals. That's fair. That's the answer we would love to hear. Uh, <laughs> you, you rated pretty highly overall. You, you averaged almost a 4.2. Uh, I obviously rated you a little bit lower, 3.2, but still <laughs> pretty impressive. So you think very highly of yourself. And now that begs the, the question, the one that's every everybody's worried about, what happens? What do you do this offseason? What do you think? Look, we've you've heard you talk about it before. You want the opportunity to win. You want to find a team that's a great fit. Where do you see yourself this offseason? I see myself signing with the team that values me. That's what I see. And I think that in, in all seriousness, you mentioned this, David. Duncan's 27. Yep. And this might be the only big contract he gets in the NBA. I don't, you know, I don't think in, once he gets into his thirties, teams are going to be lining up to pay him a ton of money. So, I, you know, I think the heat are going to have to give a competitive offer uh, to Duncan because I, I think everyone's going to value his shooting around the league. We know Joe Harris set the market uh, four years, $75 million. I'm not, I'm, I would be surprised if Duncan signed somewhere for less than $20 million a year really? if I, in all seriousness, because I think he can say I'm a better shooter than Joe Harris, even though Harris was obviously a great shooter, is a great shooter, had a great shooting season. I think he has that. Uh, he can make that argument saying, you know, look at, look at what I'm doing, not playing off Kevin Durant and James Harden. So yeah, I think, uh, I think I'd be very surprised if Duncan signed for less than $20 million a year. Would Do you think that they could offer a longer term deal at less money per year and that might be a more of an incentive to give him that kind of cushion of saying look five years for i don't know 65 million as opposed to four for 80 or something like that i mean i, I look I, I mean i don't know I'd what shock i because i think he if anything going back into free agency at age 31 is maybe his only route to getting a second good deal yeah, you're so, right yeah i'd be very surprised also i, I mean there might be rules against can't five-year deals be only given out to certain types of players etc so I think 480 is going to be his asking price, and I think someone's going to give it to him. 
Yeah. What What are the odds that he stays in Miami? And you're in. Uh, uh, what What do you think? He stays or does he go? Just your gut feeling on this. My gut feeling is that he may go. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that they, I think that they're going to see what happened in that playoff series. And I think that they're going to maybe take the advantage to try to make some changes. I mean, I have no inside info. I have no reporting on this, et cetera. I just think that, uh, yeah, I think that he, I think that he rightfully should value um, getting a high offer from someone. And I just, I'd be surprised if the heat brought him back after I think their lack of two way players um, in that series against the bucks. Yeah, no, I I'm with you on that. If there is a, if there, is there a number limit you think the team has that if he wants to get paid more than this, it just becomes unreachable an agreement becomes unreachable and un, un, unpalatable for the team. Because I, I think if he wants more than say, 16 per year it's just he prices himself out of where the team that's kind of what i'm thinking i'd be i'd be surprised if they went higher than the harris contract yeah i think that's kind of the line that they would not cross yeah that's fair yeah all right well there you have it rowan notkerny of sports illustrated are already proclaiming duncan robinson shooting lights out somewhere else around the end oh my god don't do that to me I will say though, Duncan should maybe hire me as his agent because I think I was making some great arguments there. Yeah, listen, I, I, I really, I do agree that not only are you a hell of a game show host, but you've proven yourself to be a player's agent. I mean, no greater. I put you on your heels, man. I put yeah. you on your heels. I, I am sweating here on the other side of this microphone. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh anyway thanks again for taking the time to come on the show please inform my listeners who should all be listening to you because again rowan we're the best in the business not just as an agent and game show host but also especially as a writer reporter well thank you so much david um yeah people can follow me on twitter go read si.com subscribe to sportsillustrated.com hell yeah We we have a lot of great writers um and you know we need that support to continue doing I think the great features our magazine is known for. So it would be great if you could subscribe to SI. Absolutely. Yeah. Great work there from him and so many others are definitely worth supporting. There's Michael Pina, Chris Herring, Howard Beck. Am I missing anybody? I'm sure I'm Chris Maddox, I guess, but uh, Chris Maddox, my my guy, Jeremy Wu. That's right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We got it. We got a squad. We got a squad. (laughs) Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors who are supporting today's show and special thanks to Rowan, of course. And thanks to all of you. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Hey.